Biden warns Putin not to move on Ukraine, a warning about the mental health crisis among kids in this country. And the worst statue in America comes down at long last. <laughs> Wednesday need to know. Let's go. Hump day, everybody. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for December eighth. I am Carlo here. I, I don't have. Do I have to say I'm Carlo Versano? I'm Carlo. Yeah, you have I'm to. here with you Baker. You always have to introduce. What if somebody is listening to this thing for the very first time? They're like, that guy has a really amazing voice. Who is that? <laughs> okay, fair enough. I am Carlo Versano here once again with my brother from yes. another mother, Baker Machado. Baker, how are you? Happy Wednesday to you, Carlo. Happy National Brownie Day today uh, to you. Uh, I don't know if, if you are watching us on the YouTube today, Carlo. I have officially pulled out the Christmas sweaters Oh, nice. We are now in that part of the December time of the season. <laughs> Last week it was long underwear. This week it is Christmas sweaters. Uh, God knows what it'll be next week, but I'll find something. Uh, maybe it's a, a stocking hat or something, but either way, it's another reason to watch the YouTube stream of this show if you can. Well, you are looking fresh to death, Baker. Thank I need you. to get myself a, a a Christmas sweater, come to think of it. I'm going to put that on my list today. You know what? You know, since you and I get to do this great show for the rest of the month, I, I suggest, well, I'll plant this seed now, uh, maybe you and I do like an ugly Christmas sweater edition down oh, the road. Okay. Like one right. morning, I'm sure you've got them stuffed in the closet somewhere. Uh, <laughs> if not, I have at least like five you can borrow. Um, they're all from my mother, too, which is great because they're really hideous. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll do that in, before the end of the month. That's a good idea. That'll get our uh, maybe get our YouTube numbers up oh, a yes. little bit, too. Look, I'm all about the ratings <laughs> bump on this thing. Carla, we have so much news to dive into, so let's get it straight with uh, start with uh, what's happening in Washington. The Pentagon reportedly exploring options now for how to evacuate U.S. citizens from Ukraine. That's if Russia were to invade that country. The report suggests that the Biden administration is planning for the possibility that the security situation in Ukraine severely deteriorates if Vladimir Putin were to launch an Offensive in that country. Now, President Biden did speak to Putin by video link for about two hours yesterday, and he did warn him that the U.S. is prepared to impose heavy economic sanctions if he moves on Ukraine. But as we told you yesterday, according to all the reports out there, uh, Vladimir Putin seems to be pretty dismissive so far about any sort of uh, U.S. Uh, uh, threats coming his way on any of this stuff regarding Ukraine. Yeah, one, some of those sanctions would include an effort uh, by the Americans to block a new gas pipeline from Russia to Europe, uh, specifically through two, Germany. Yes. Yeah, this would be a uh, that that would be a significant um, blow to Putin because that is a you know major um, source of energy revenue for him. So I, unclear if that will will change his mind. There's a lot of reports out there that he they the Russians could be planning this offensive for the spring, once the. Uh, you know, once they sort of get all their people into into place over there on that border, it, I, I'm always just amazed um, how, how Russian people aren't out in the streets every day protesting against Vladimir Putin. I mean, first of all, he's been there for what 22 years now. Like, it's aren't they sick of this guy? And he's not leaving. He's not leaving. He has basically made the system so he never has to leave yeah. whatsoever. And by the way, they might be protesting Carla, but we'll never hear about it because uh, everything that happens in Russia, Vladimir Putin denies. I mean, Russia. Uh, Putin famously has said there are no gay people in the entire right. country of Russia. 
No gay Russians, everybody. No. Nope. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just there's so much human potential being stifled uh, in that country by Putin, and he's just been doing it for so long. You'd think that there'd be more of like a um, you know a, a, a organized opposition against them. Though I guess that like when you poison your opponents, that does a pretty good job of fixing that problem for you, right? Allegedly, yes, true. Allegedly, yes. Um, and by the way, um, so some of the notes that, that the, the New York Times basically got about this phone call between the two leaders, by the way, this is next to Afghanistan, probably one of the most severe and important sort of foreign policy choices and things happening on President Biden's desk right now. Uh, President Biden apparently after this phone call, apparently it was very conciliatory. Apparently they were very kind and very nice to each other. Apparently they exchanged sort of friendly comments to each other. But after the call was over, Biden apparently called allies in France, in Germany, in the UK, basically to update them on this phone call. Uh, but again, no indications whatsoever based off of this phone conversation that anything is going to change on this. The New York Times reporting that Vladimir Putin is basically still standing firm on his um, on what he is wanting from the United States in regards to Ukraine, but definitely something still to watch out here for. Mm hmm. All right, let's move on and let's talk about the Omicron variant. The first data that we're getting now about that variant's ability to evade vaccine protection is now out. According to a small preliminary study from researchers in South Africa, Omicron does in fact dull some of the power of the two-dose Pfizer vaccine, but people who were previously infected with COVID and then vaccinated still appear to be well protected against the variant. Uh, this sort of uh, echoes kind of similarly to what we had heard from Dr. Fauci over the last weekend. Just some of the preliminary data doesn't seem to want to cause panic right now, but still you have to be incredibly cautious right now about the, about the variant as we're continuing to learn more details about it by the day here. Yeah, so the study actually, so it didn't look at anybody who had actually been boosted, um, but it hints, it sort of suggests that boosters can get that strong level of protection against Omicron back up. So the bottom line is sort of like you're most protected against this variant if you've either had COVID and gotten two doses of Pfizer or probably if you've just gotten the three doses of Pfizer, which is, of course, all the more reason to go get boosted if you haven't yet. Honestly, these are probably the best results we, uh, we, we could have hoped for, all things considered. And this is, like you said, a small and preliminary study that we'll have to just keep uh, keep watching. But I continue to, um, you know, feel relatively good right. uh, about this, uh, this variant, uh, at least in so much as you can feel good about any of this stuff. But I just don't think I, I don't think we're, we're looking at a, um, you know, a major crisis on our hands no, here. It doesn't look like this is going to be a situation even like Delta or anything else where no. you're going to be seeing epic shutdowns or anything. And this also, you know, the markets have really reacted positively to a lot of this news as well. Markets as have we, shrugged this off. They're yeah, over completely. it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, the worries that we had from Janet Yellen and, and Jerome Powell earlier about maybe potentially what uh, Omicron could do to the markets have really subsided. The big thing here from this, the South African study that they did on a lot of this, it seems to be it is is Omicron more transmissible, um, even if you are boost, uh, uh, vaccinated here, excuse me, not boosted, but vaccinated, even you, it's not going to send you to the hospital, it looks like, and it doesn't look like those who are vaccinated, who catch Omicron, you know, have high chances of death or hospitalization, but it does look like it is still easily transmissible in the sense that we might see more breakthrough infections. So the indications are we might see a jump in COVID cases, especially during the wintertime, especially from those that are unvaccinated, but it does look like if you are vaccinated, the, the chances of, uh, of death or at least hospitalization look incredibly low here, Carlo. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
All right, meanwhile, let's talk about the news coming from the Surgeon General yesterday. He has issued a rare public health advisory to warn about the mental health challenges that are now confronting young people. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy writing in a 53-page advisory that the pandemic has exacerbated a growing epidemic of depression and anxiety among children, adolescents, and young adults. Carlo, in that 53-page uh, letter, he said it would be a tragedy if we beat back one public health crisis mm -hmm. only to allow another to grow in its place. Mental health challenges in children, adolescents, and young adults are real, and they are widespread, but most importantly, they're treatable and often preventable. Yeah, good good on him for, for putting this out there. It's, it's rare for the Surgeon General to put these public health advisories out, specifically rare for um, them to do it about something like uh, like mental health. So uh, props to him and props to the Biden administration for, um, you know, being serious about this. He's calling for a broad-based response from parents, teachers, government, social media companies, really just about everybody to step up to address this crisis, which, as you said, is preventable. It just requires us you know, adults to help and to and to acknowledge it. Um, one statistic that jumped out from this advisory, though, emergency room visits for suicide attempts oh, yeah. rose 51 percent for adolescent girls in yep. early 2021 as compared to the same period in 2019. That figure four, rose 4 percent for boys. Oh, my God, that is a five alarm fire gang. Absolutely. Whoa, Carlo, we got to deal with that. Oh, man. Carlo, uh, on top of that, symptoms for depression, anxiety doubled during the pandemic. According to this report, 25 percent of youth have experienced depressive symptoms. 20 percent experience anxiety symptoms. Uh, there also appears to be increases in negative emotions or behaviors uh, associated with social media usage. All of that. And the fact that nobody's seeing each other. Um, so, yeah, if anything, this was already an issue before the pandemic. And as Murdy has basically yep. said here, it is being exacerbated because of the pandemic. But as he said, this is treatable. This is, uh, and I, one thing I'm really happy about is more people are, are open and are talking more mm -hmm. about their mental health struggles, especially during the pandemic. Uh, so my hope is, is that this is something that we'll be able to turn around, but this just breaks your heart for, for, for young adolescents, but more in particular, young teenage girls. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, this has been, this last couple of years have been really hard, right? We forget about it and we move on because that's what we do. That's what humans do. But I, I mean, it's been hard for me, for you, for, mm -hmm. uh, and we're, uh, we're relatively well-functioning adults. So you can only imagine just how, how difficult these last, uh, yep. this last period of time has been for, for young people. And, um, I, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but the answer, one of the answers is we got to you know, we have to do a better job of cost benefit analysis with some of the COVID stuff, whether that's masks, lot, you know, school closures, any of that, like the kids have got to feel like this is going to end. And it's not just this is how it's going to be for the rest of time. I, I really, really strongly believe that now. Well, Murdy had mentioned social media, and that's important because, you know, we have sort of this like-based system with how many followers you have. That sort of impacts then how happy you feel about the rest of your life. And that's important because today the Surgeon General's call to, uh, to help on this would basically be a big day for Congress to really ask a lot of questions because today's a big day because their CEO of Instagram is testifying before Congress today. This is going to be the first time that Instagram chief Adam Mazzari has agreed to appear in front of lawmakers who are increasingly focused on the perceived harm that that app does to the mental health of children. Ahead of his testimony, Instagram announced a series of updates
updates aimed at that issue, and that includes parental controls and even a feature that will prevent users from tagging teens' accounts that don't follow them. This, by the way, coming on the heels of all of the bombshell reports coming from Francis mm -hmm. Hogan, who released all of that data uh, to the Wall Street Journal for those Facebook files. One of these new Instagram features is something called a uh, time for a break feature, which is an opt in, not opt out. Yes, and you have feature to opt in. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, um, this, which shows you how much they actually care. Uh, but so this feature will prompt you, no matter no matter your age, it will prompt all users if they opt in to take a break when they've been scrolling Instagram for too long, uh, which is, I mean, I don't know, basically a completely useless window dressing. I, I can't imagine how that would help at all. Uh, it's, you know, Instagram, by the way, I don't use it. I don't know this because I don't really use Instagram, but I've heard from people that it has become essentially unusable of late. And apparently they tweaked, uh, Facebook tweaked the algorithm recently to show you more crap from people that you don't follow which of course is one of the same tweaks that, that they did that ruined the Facebook experience years mm -hmm. ago. Uh, so I don't know if you've noticed that. I don't know if anybody have, else has noticed yep. that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, look, we've seen, we've let these companies, Facebook, especially essentially experiment on a generation of our children for their own profit seeking motives. It's going to be a stain on our generation and those older than us for letting it happen. And we probably won't know how much damage it really did until it's too late. And I hope this guy Masseri gets absolutely grilled uh, when he's on the Hill today because, um, you know, he, he is overseeing a probably one of the more dangerous companies uh, of our lifetimes, in my opinion. So this is going to be interesting because I think we're accustomed to seeing Mark Zuckerberg testify on behalf of Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, the likes, which he kind of gives sort of these very generic, vanilla, you know, corporate responses. Yeah. He's vague in a lot of responses. And also we've seen from past testimony, Congress doesn't know about social media. I mean, sometimes they get the social media yeah. platforms confused with each other. But because of all the information that has come out from Francis Hogan, for the first time, I feel like in forever, I feel like Congress, Republicans and Democrats, no matter how polarized they are right now, seem to be somewhat unified when it comes to maybe potential regulations against social media companies, especially Instagram. And I'm talking about Marsha Blackburn, one of the most conservative Republicans, and Richard Blumenthal, mm -hmm. one of the most liberal senators, basically chairing this committee together. The other thing that's going to be interesting is Adam Mazzari has never testified before in front of yeah. Congress. He has done the media circuit before. He goes on the Today Show and GMA a lot to sort of talk about uh, when and bad things happened to Instagram, especially when Francis Hogan stuff came out, he, he went out and did the media rounds. He seems a little bit more of a normal person that can basically, <laughs> I, and I mean that in the sense of he's able to sort of convey information better than Mark Zuckerberg does um, regarding his family. He has daughters. He has said he, he, he worries about the mental health problems that maybe these apps play on his daughters as well. So I'm going to be intrigued to sort of see how this all sort of works out today. But I do think today's hearing is going to be much different than past social media mm -hmm. congressional hearings that we've had in the past. Um, Carlo, you got a better chance, by the way, of getting a healthy raise next year, that's good, than any time since the Great Recession. A survey released today from the conference board shows that companies are budgeting more money for pay raises next year than at any point since 2008. The employers who responded to the survey cited inflation and the historically tight labor market. Now, wages are expected to rise about on an average of 4% and will be the largest for workers under 25 and those who switch jobs within the last year. That according to the survey. So maybe Carla will be getting a bonus this year. 
four <laughs> percent uh, raise hallelujah yes. annual inflation of course running at six percent so if you get anything below that you're uh, you're being True. bamboozled you know six percent is the is a is the cost of living increase this year and i don't want to hear about any companies out there who are bringing in record profits and then start patting themselves on the back because they raised wages four or five percent across the board which you know is about to happen um you know wage gains of course are good there it's been one of the one silver linings of this last year and change has just been this you know, across the board gain in wages. Uh, but they do have some measure of inflationary risk themselves, right? People get paid more. Uh, the companies then start raising prices more. It's this like sort of virtuous cycle. Not to say yeah. that people aren't deserving of at least a three or four percent raise, especially after these last couple of years. But, you know, still something that economists have to keep an eye on. Well, and for some of these employers, they're giving six percent or more because they don't want these employees to leave. The great resignation mm -hmm. is what we're under right now because a lot of other people have realized because of the pandemic, some of them can, can work from home. They have realized that there's something else that they want to do in their life and they know that they can get paid at a, be a better sum at another job. This has forced employers because they don't want to have to hire and train new staff as a result of this to figure out right. every sort of thing that they can to retain as much of their employees as they possibly can right now, which includes giving significant raises and promotions as a result of that. Right. Also, why you're seeing so many of these companies, I think, keep bumping back, especially in the tech yes. sector, uh, yes. just keep bumping back their return to office because no, they're not getting any pushback from that. Nobody wants to go back to the office, as yeah. it turns out. And I think all these companies are trying to figure out what that means and how they can how they can manage that. No, Facebook announced yesterday while they're looking potentially at, a, you know, a January end of January timetable for most of their office to come back. They're not expecting most employees to come back until June, which I thought was really interesting. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we see so many corporations sort of follow what the tech giants sort of do and then implement that right. uh, on their own. Uh, speaking of the tech giants, Amazon. Whoa, this was crazy yesterday. They say that major outage of Amazon Web Services now finally has been resolved. Network device issues were to blame for a big AWS outage that knocked out significant portions of the internet for hours. And just to show you how many huge companies use and rely on AWS, Alexa, Ring, Netflix, Disney+, Robinhood, Coinbase, those were among some of the big platforms that were affected yesterday. People on social media reported that their smart devices, like their door locks, their refrigerators, and even their Christmas lights stopped working yesterday. The outage also caused major disruptions to Amazon's own delivery operation. There were reports out there that packages were piling up as Amazon vans were just sitting aisle just trying to figure out what they were going to do here, Carlo. It's something very dystopian about a, you know, cloud computing outage that makes it, you know, impossible for you to get into your own house. Right. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Uh, yep. This is this is, by the way, this is why I don't mess with smart devices. I know that probably makes me a, an old. <laughs> yes, you are. You're like the Walter Matthau of millennials yeah, here. I got I still got my keys on my little key ring that I put on my belt <laughs> and my key. Hey, my the key to my front door has never failed me once. Good it lets me you. in, lets me out. Until you lose it. Yeah, well, that's true. But uh, regardless of whether Amazon Web Services was working or not, uh, you know, I don't need a fridge that's connected to the Internet. I don't need a vacuum cleaner connected to the Internet. I don't know. I just I, these stories always just just remind me that, uh, well, you know, not everything has to be connected to the true. Internet, I think. As somebody, though, who is has a ton of smart home technology and like has now become obsessed with who's opened my door, who's opened the refrigerator, what the thermostat <laughs> level is, is somebody outside or is it a bear that's outside on, on the uh, the doorbell? Um, 
you know, it does get a little crazy, but it's also interesting how much um, of the internet relies on just a few cloud companies. And if one yeah. of those cloud companies has one sort of dent in the armor and one thing happens to them, the basically cataclysmic domino effect that happens to <laughs> yeah. so many other companies as a result of this. And this it involves infrastructure. There's other companies that rely on cloud-based companies for infrastructure that go down. And then all of a sudden, there's worry that maybe the power grid goes down or all these other sorts of things happen down right. the road. It just goes to show you that if one Com that this, that very few companies own basically everything on the internet here. It's just it's also just like we, it shows you that we have just been li we live on the edge, baby. Everything <laughs> everything is just on like we just we live life. The, yes. the economy, uh, just everything is just we're on a tightrope, and you know one little thing goes wrong and and look out below, right? We've yes. seen it with COVID. We've seen it with um, with the supply chain, with this stuff. It's it's wild, right? We we are the evil Knievel of countries and we're going to stick <laughs> yeah. to it. I love it. Uh, meanwhile, some developments in regard to all those Confederate statues that have come down across the South over the last year or so. In Richmond, the 40-foot granite pedestal that supported the statue of Robert E. Lee and then became the centerpiece of last uh, year's social justice protests will now be dismantled and removed from its at the end of the city's famed Monument Avenue. An hour's drive down I-64, the city of Charlottesville has also decided to melt down their statue of Lee that was removed earlier this year. The bronze will be given to a museum for a public art project as a result, Carlo. And in Nashville, workers have finally removed that infamous, notorious statue of the former Confederate soldier and KKK leader, Nathan Bedford Forrest. Uh, are you familiar with this? This this is like a memed. No. Uh -huh. uh, oh, you haven't seen the picture of this? No, I haven't this? seen this. Oh, my God. So this statue, widely despised by just about everyone, locals and passersby, not just for who it memorialized, this, you know, racist guy, but it, just how creepy it looked. I, I think John Oliver once said it looked like if Nickel did cocaine. Uh, just, <laughs> it, it's hard It's hard to really di dis discuss this on a podcast because you have to see it. No, I'm uh, looking it up right now. I'm looking it up right now. Nightmares are made of. It I mean, like, it is a very spooky, it is a very spooky, almost sort of like haunted, like a uh, statue because he's got like this very funny, like mouth grill that it looks like it's on yes. there. Yeah. This he's got is these wild eyes with, yes. his, uh, with his gun cocked. On I the almost want to keep it now because of I, that. Yeah. I, I, I said, I was like, we should, this is actually the one of these Confederate statues they should have kept up. Um, okay, Baker, more to know before we go. All right, yeah, yesterday the House passed legislation to expedite a debt ceiling fix in the Senate, Carlo. Mitch McConnell says he has the support of 10 Republican senators to move on this legislation. That would allow the Democrats to raise the debt ceiling with just a simple majority and also avoid another potential default just before Christmas. Talk about living on the edge, Carlo. Yeah, really. I'm surprised McConnell actually is uh, is trying to make this happen. He's it's played a good, ball uh, twice now, which yeah. is interesting, especially because he said he wasn't going to do it this time around. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, Washington, Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's former chief of staff, now says he will not cooperate with the January 6th investigation. Uh, Meadows had previously agreed to sit for a deposition with that committee. I believe that was scheduled for today. This comes, of course, as he's promoting that book about his time in the Trump White House, which includes information on this very topic that he now says he will not answer questions about. 
Uh, Maggie Haberman at the New York Times reporting President Trump furious and fuming and hates Mark Meadows because of cooperating with that investigation. Uh, and and so, for the book. And for the book as well. So this is why a lot of people are speculating because Trump is so angry at him. That's why he has now done an about face and is not cooperating. Meanwhile, in international politics, Angela Merkel officially handed over the German chancellery to her successor, Olaf Scholz. Germany will now have a center-left government for the first time in 16 years. Merkel, who still, though, remains historically popular in Germany, received a standing ovation as she handed over the power to Schultz. The longest-serving airline executive in America is stepping down. This came across uh, yesterday morning. Doug Parker is going to retire as CEO of American Airlines in March. Parker was the architect of a series of mergers uh, that have consolidated the industry from 10 major carriers down to just four over the last two decades. He famously started at American West Airlines on September 10th of 20, uh, 2001, just before 9-11. Um, but Parker, probably no single person more responsible for how the uh, flying experience has gotten so bad for passengers um, than Mr. Doug Parker. Uh, meanwhile, he may be a nice guy. I don't know anything about him. I just, <laughs> yes. Just, he, he just by, by virtue of, of doing everything with the consolidation of the airlines, it, you know, he true. is responsible. True. Very good point. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Holmes Carlo ended six days of testimony at her fraud trial in California. The former Theranos founder admitted in her final day on the stand that she did give false information to journalists that were covering Theranos, though she still maintains she did not do what she's accused of, which is lying to investors. On a footnote on this story, Apple announcing yesterday they have picked up a movie about Theranos uh, with Jennifer Lawrence going to be playing Elizabeth Holmes in this film. It's kind of interesting that Apple has that movie because I know. it's going to be it, 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 not Silicon that Apple Valley has anything movie. to do with this, but it's it's about Silicon Valley just in yes. all of like the craziness there. So a little bit I'll see that though. I love J Law, uh, and finally this heartbreaking story: oh, um, Nick so Cannon sad. sharing on his uh, talk show yesterday that his youngest child, five month old Zen, died of brain cancer. A heartbreaking message that shocked viewers as well as the show's production staff. Seemed to come out of nowhere. Nick Cannon describing how baby Zen had been diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor. Uh, and that things took a turn for the worse over Thanksgiving. So sending our thoughts to Mr. Cannon as well as his family dealing with the worst thing there is on earth, Baker, which is the oh. death of a young child. I know. Reports were that they took um, the child before it passed away to the ocean, to the beach one last time yeah. uh, before it passed. Just heartbreaking news there, Carlo. I find it now as a father almost impossible to cover stories like this. Okay, well, on that um, extremely depressing note, everybody, that's what you need to know for Wednesday, December 8th, and we will see you back here mañana.